What's going on, everyone? You're listening to the Asian MMA Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything going on in the world of Asian MMA. I'm your host, Dana Blue, and I'm joined by my friend from Kumite Radio, John Ko. This episode is brought to you by a year's worth of regrets, because this is our 2019 Asian MMA Year in Review. John, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate I know it's not as early in Korea as it is in Bangkok, but I still appreciate you putting in the time, man. No, no worries, man. No worries. Uh, it's only two hour difference, so it's still it's early. I just difference. woke up. <laughs> I might not look like it, but I still, I just woke up though, you know. I've been up for about an hour, so not so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've, we've now, got a whole yeah. list of stuff to go through today, man. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know Kumite TV or John's work, John is probably one of the best interviewers in the game. So I, I would highly recommend you check him out. Check out what he's doing in the world of Asian MMA or MMA in general. He doesn't just limit it to Asian MMA, but he does some fantastic interviews. And if you check out his channel, definitely subscribe because it's 100% worth it. Uh I steal a lot of info from his interviews, so definitely worth checking out. I appreciate the kind words, man, but, you know, I'm just like a little guy in a big pond, you know? That's all it is. A, a big guy in a little pond over in uh, – he's over there in Korea doing making it happen. So I want to get right on to the, to the show. We've got a lot to cover, John. And uh, first things first is local promotions. I mean, here in Asia, we've got a, a fair amount of local promotions. And for me, the biggest local promotion story of the year was the return of FMD. And FMD had an amazing year with a couple of events, a couple championships went down. We saw Glenn Sparv take home a, a sword from FMD and Javier Truello take home a sword. So, I mean, really good stuff. Yeah, it definitely. Uh, uh a resurgence in many ways for FMD. You know, they were gone for a long time. And uh, I think a lot of people believe that it was dead. Do, do you think so? Yeah, I thought so for sure. I thought FMD had uh, had it had its toe tag on 100%. And uh, they, they came back strong with great cards. Um, fantastic heavyweight card, two, two car, uh, sh- fantastic heavyweight fight two shows ago. But I mean, the main event at the last one with Javier and a good card altogether. You you were there live for that one. We met up beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to back von flu chokes in the yeah. main and co main event. Now. You couldn't even you couldn't even script it that way. You know, it's like almost uh, unbelievable what actually happened in at that event. But uh, uh, but the going back to that heavyweight fight i thought that fight the heavyweight fight was the fight of the year for the promotion because yeah the, the dude the grounded opponents that changes or grounded opponents grounded knees to an opponent changes the game and changes i don't understand why yeah i don't understand like why uh other promotions don't at least put that into the 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 the, the, the rule set like just knees to a grounded opponent you know i understand the soccer kicks but uh the knees to a ground opponent, it makes it so much better, so much more exciting. And you could finish from so many different angles on the ground. Uh, and that heavyweight bout, uh, I forgot the, uh, it, was it Zangi- Zangief it, uh, from Stan Street Geef. Fighter? Stan okay, Zangief from like Street Stan Fighter. Geef. And, uh, and, uh, and Yokozuna yeah, from Street Fighter. Uh, <laughs> Ohanda. Yeah, Ohanda, right. Ihanda. Ihanda. Street Fighter fight in real life. 
yeah definitely and uh it was uh it was fun man but uh yeah um yeah they had some uh new champions crowned uh swords being handed out and and it was fun man it's always fun to go there live and i always tell everybody that fmd if uh if you go live that's the only way to experience it watching it on youtube or facebook yeah it's 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 fun the fights are fun but when you go there and you feel the and when you're right next to the cage and you could touch the cage you can touch the and cage. yeah you could now, touch I've, the cage and like yell at people and i've had to like slap away fans hands as they reach through the cage to touch <laughs> the fighters and you could hear the the fans yelling at the referees is so funny like yeah. and it, they're fighters too they're not like just like uh fans there's fighters there next to the cage yelling yeah. crazy things to the referee and crazy. to the other fighters it's uh it's entertaining I've man fights, and, uh, i've refed fights where like fans in the crowd who are fighters from the same gym as one of the fighters in the fight he'll be like talking to the guy who's getting beat up he's like just give up man just give up like you don't want this anymore you're done <laughs> you're done just give it up and you know yeah. it's but i mean literally they're inches away like it's it's one of the most insane experiences as an MMA fan. You have to be a fan of Full Metal Dojo, and like I said, the rule set. You talked about the knees to the head. They've got soccer kicks, twelve to six elbows. There's very little not allowed in Full Metal Dojo, and and that is by design. They it really has this crazy underworld, you know, street fight feel, and you do feel like you're coming out of an action movie when you're there. It is that insane. Yeah, that, I, I'm hope I'm hoping that somebody jumps on board. You know, somebody with some, some funds, some uh, some capital, yeah. or something, right. and 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 explode this this concept that they have. Uh, I know that uh, in many ways they don't want to do that, but I feel like they should just spread their wings and 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 give it to everybody and 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 just travel the world with it just you know like a tour like a like a 1980s rock band just go around and just take full metal dojo on a world tour i think that'll be fun for next year yeah it'd be interesting i mean but there's very few places where they could go and pull off that that rule set and that type of show you know that that's the real kind of kicker to it uh, one of the things that I love about it is is that kind of grittiness, that rule set. And it would be imagine like going to Phnom Penh and seeing mm-hmm. Full Metal Dojo in like some gritty club in Phnom Penh or in Jakarta. Uh, you know, it would never, obviously, never happen in Singapore uh, or Korea. But you know, there are places I don't know. Vanilla it could happen. Yeah, I think there's a lot of places where there's no commission, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of places don't have commissions. It's possible. Why not? Yeah, very true. We'll talk about no commissions in a little bit for mm-hmm. sure. Um, mm-hmm. Another one that uh, came back this year, not quite as a triumphant return, but was TFC. Yeah, TFC. And that is uh, Will yeah. Chope's promotion down in Southern Thailand. Kind of a great proving ground for some of like the really local guys. Yeah, especially with uh, Thailand only having two fight promotions. Yeah, and uh, a couple, a and then smaller ones outside of that, but nothing that I would consider uh, safe. I mean, the the one <laughs> thing about Full Metal Dojo is uh, John, as a former fighter himself, uh, really does go the extra mile for the fighters and does blood checks and in medical mm-hmm. checks and all that stuff uh, to make sure people are safe. Where 
I, I've I've unfortunately worked some events in Thailand where there were no blood tests for fighters, and uh, you know you see guys coming into fights who have like visible cuts already. So th- th- there are some others, but again, none I would consider professional level. TFC and uh, FMD are really the two. Yeah, especially yeah. Will Will knows what he's doing. You know, he's yeah, fought all over Will's the world. Legit. You know, they. He knows he knows what's in and what's out and and what he needs to what needs to be done to protect the fighters. He's yeah. fought everywhere. He's fought every type of combat sport. Every type of combat. Uh, yeah, shout out to Will Chope, man. Will Chope is doing his thing. Yeah, friend of the show. Uh, he Will just Chope, opened a. Man, yeah, he just. I think he just opened a store in uh, Phuket, Fight Bros. I think he's you know expanding uh, his portfolio, right. so to say, and that's is good to see, man. Because Will is yeah. Will's doing this thing, man. Uh, always got love for Will. Uh, yeah, he's a hard. You can't, you know, hard work, man. That's hard work. That's what Will is about: hard work and taking advantage of opportunities. He's really about that grind. I mean, he, he's yeah, all about respect. It. Yeah, and I, I respect mean, I, it's hard to think of like a weekend where he doesn't have a fight. That's you true, know, like, and he's fighting everywhere. It's not like he's everywhere. just fighting like in uh in Thailand. He's fighting in Japan and China. Europe. And Germany, and yeah. and he'll go to Russia and Siberia. It doesn't matter. He, doesn't you, matter. you got that check. He'll go yeah. and beat up one of your guys. He's like the, the blue collar hero, working class hero of MMA, man. He, he really is the <laughs> hardest working guy in Asian MMA. All about. He's putting on promotions. He's fighting every weekend. I don't. And he's a family man. I don't know how he has time. And I don't even think he's thirty yet. I don't think he is. <laughs> crazy. It's just crazy. And he's a UFC vet. Yeah, I think that's uh that's the kicker. He he has that title and it helps him yeah. get a lot of fights. So how about in Korea? Any local promotions out in Korea that that really tickle your fancy? Um, there's a promotion. Uh, they had two shows last year. Zeus FC. They're okay. uh, run by uh two brothers, and one of the brothers used to fight in Japan. And the other brother is uh, has been a coach for a long, long time. Uh, and and the, one thing good about them is like they have a set uh, structure. You know, like the main eventers, they get paid this much. The co-main event gets paid this much. The the undercards get paid this much, and they always pay their fighters. And uh, and and you never get more, and you never get less. Hmm. It's it's like you know what you're getting into, so and you know. and. Yeah, you know, it's not like there's no like funky contract negotiations, nothing like that. They're like, hey, you want to fight? This is what we got. And there's it's, no that's an important thing in MMA because a lot of promoters- yeah, and there's no discrimin yeah, there's no discrimination either. You know, like a lot of promotions will discriminate against some other you know certain fighters for you know yeah. for what affiliations they have, right? Yeah. And and these guys don't care about that. They're just about all about opportunities and putting together the best fights locally. In the region as possible and pushing these guys up and sending them to the to the bigger promotions you know like one championship or the ufc or bellator or whatever really? and i think they're doing big things and then a big sponsor recently just hopped on with them for the next year so they're going to put on bigger shows and maybe even raise the the purse for the fighters because if you get investment you know that's what you can do is give more money to the fighters and these guys are that's what they're doing and and i met with them and i talked with them and and i and they kind of laid out the plan that they have sounds good man and 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 it's not just because they're talking they're doing it they're doing what they say and 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 that proves a lot to me you know when i look at them speak louder than words man Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. Absolutely. Oh, one more I want to mention. Uh, actually, two more real quick before we go on to the next topic is um, Ultimate Beatdown from Malaysia. Great proving ground for a lot of people coming out of the amateur ranks. Really gritty promotion. Uh, they hold it like it's like on the roof of a mall in Johor Bahru. And uh, one, one of the best promotions, and actually uh, Shadow Cat, who is in Fighting in One Championship now, she came out of that promotion, and that and Mima. And unfortunately, no Mima this year, but or, or anymore, but she came out of that kind of ranks, but that UB was really where she cut her teeth, and we see a lot of Malaysian fighters really get some ground in, in UB. So I really enjoyed that promotion. I don't know if you've ever seen them, uh, John. No, I've heard of them. I've seen a couple fights but I don't really follow them too closely, but I understand that uh, a few of the few fighters have come out of that. And, and how many, do they have shows constantly or is it, is, is it random? Rap, sporadic? Like three or four a year. Okay. Okay. And then there's a UGB MMA, which I have to talk about out Philippines? of Philippines, which is okay. one of my favorite things. It's like, they've got the uh, full contact stick fighting. Mm-hmm. So it's like MMA with uh, the Filipino stick fighting style, and they just basically wear MMA shorts, MMA gloves, and and a, a face mask, and they go out there and they whoop each other with these sticks. But they're actually they had a huge year expansion wise, and it looks like they're going to do some big big things next year, which I'm super excited about. That's. And man, the internet is, I just blame it on the internet. Like <laughs> internet will expose everybody to all the wildness of the world. And, and it's beautiful that this is getting some exposure. It's like yeah. slap, slap fighting, you know, like the slap contest the thing. Like who the, yeah. People, there's like crowds of like thousands of people watching that live. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and if that could get thousands of people watching live, I don't see why this can't get yeah, and I, hundreds I mean, of thousands of people. And it's beautiful. I mean, the guys who are very high level who come out doing this, it's not like, you know, some Sunday Joe came out and he's just smacking each other, smacking some other guy with a stick. These guys have really good technique. They're blocking, parrying. I mean, it's legit. Mm-hmm. But no shirt, just taking strikes with sticks. I mean, oh, it, it yeah, makes me hurt just watching it. Yeah, that that sounds pretty dangerous. <laughs> Where's that commission? Where's that commission? commission. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next, I want to move on to a quick story. It was uh, IMAF this year, which is the governing body for Asian MMA, pretty much globally. They're they're the biggest one. They're really the only one who matters, no matter what else is out there and, and people are throwing in the media or what other promotions are saying. IMAF is really the only main body for amateur MMA at that level that's really pushing it to an olympic level and they, they're the ones who have spent the time going through the steps laid the groundwork their asian open was supposed to be in china this year and it fell apart you know internal issues in china and last minute ended up moving to thailand and so they had like something like 20 days to set this up in in thailand they had it down in uh, nana over at the ambassador hotel uh actually turned out to be a really good event and one of the things that we saw from Southeast Asia was that Malaysia had a fantastic showing. They've actually, they've actually had uh, some really good, some really strong um, participants over the years. I mean, of course, they've developed their their entire amateur circuit with uh, Mima for years and years in Malaysia. But 
did a really strong showing, and then they went on to do pretty well in Bahrain at the World Championships. Real quick, we got uh, our boy Drake Riggs uh, down in the comments saying Medieval MMA is where it's at. It is, man. I think M1 Global is doing that too, right? Or yeah, M1 Global is doing medieval sword. MMA. Yeah, with the swords and the shields and and uh, yeah, they're 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 bringing Game of Thrones and mixed martial arts together. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not arguing about that. I'm not complaining. I can't hate it. But I'm I'm gonna be real with you. Like, it's cool that it's out there, but I'm not watching that shit, man. Come on, I'm watching. Man. Like, I'm watch. I want to see hand to hand combat. I want to see no weapons. I want to see what you can do with your with your body. Like, how can you destroy the next person? Like, I understand the 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 allure of medieval MMA and and weapons and all that stuff, but I'm more of a I don't know. Could you am I am I right if I say I'm more of a purist? Is that right? I don't know. I mean, I guess more for me the the UGB is uh, much closer to that because you could pick up anything and have it be a stick. Mm-hmm. Not too many dudes I know walking around with a long sword. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, uh, swinging that around, but you know, anything could become a stick. Yeah. So why mm-hmm. not? Uh, anything could become a stick. Anything. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so moving on from IMAF, I mean, you have some comments on IMAF. Did you follow it at all? The amateur scene. No, I just know that uh, Mohammed Makayov that dude is like the next biggest star. Oh, and yeah, I think he, sure. he won everything in IMF the last couple of years. And he's still, they see that's a guy that's a perfect example of why you should not just jump into the pro ranks unless you really have to is he's the perfect example. He's, he's went through the amateur ranks and picked up like a, a myriad of titles everywhere. Yeah. And in IMF and, and, and he's getting famous off that. You know what I mean? Like people are, are noticing him. And he also trains down at Tiger, Tiger Muay Thai. And he's been down there for a long time, you know. And think about him as an amateur training with all the pros down there and competing with them and then going to the amateur fights and just destroying guys all the time. And, uh, yeah, going back to what I said is he's a perfect example of why you should try to build yourself through the amateur ranks first if you can if you're able to and then go pro later i'm very excited to see how he does as a professional or and where he goes to fight as a professional i know he wants to be a ufc champion but i want to see where what promotion picks him up to kind of develop him into pushing him into into the ufc or does he get a developmental deal by, from the ufc contender series you never know what can happen because matt matrione remember he yeah. was on the ultimate fighter and he had no fights no professional fights. And he yeah. went into the UFC with no professional fights. So who knows what can happen with him? Very possible. I mean, I, I agree. I think the amateur circuit is incredibly important, especially for these guys who are, who want to develop and really make a career out of it. The amateur circuit gives them the chance to refine those skills, get a lot of those jitters out of the way. When, when I fought uh, MMA in the early 2000s in the East Coast, there was no amateur circuit. My first fight was a, as a pro against the guy who I'd seen fight multiple times. So, you know, it, it's it's difficult if there's no amateur league to develop these guys' skill set. And you know, I really think they benefit a great deal from it. And I think IMAF is doing a fantastic job with promoting amateur athletes, setting amateur apart from pro with a rule set and look and feel and all of that. It's doing a fantastic job. Are they, are they continuing with the 
the Asian Championships in Thailand, or is that just like a one-time thing? It's supposed to change every year. Like it was supposed. Uh, I think they've tried to kick it off in China a few times, and it just never took. Like China's always yeah. had problems with it. I was actually <laughs> yeah, at a Lord. show. I was actually at a show in uh, Kunming, China, uh, four years ago, three years ago, maybe. Um, that it was actually like it was funny because it was like a straight ripoff of one championship. Like a lot of the sayings and slogans they had everywhere, and um. And it was funny because it was like just straight up a ripoff of one, but it was like a mix of amateur and pro fights. And uh, Kara Frown from IMAP was actually there to try to make headway with the local governments, the local authorities for amateur MMA. And it was like, I've run into Kareth in like three or four countries now. Like everywhere he's like, if I'm at a show, he'll show up and be like, oh yeah, I'm just here talking to officials and sports authorities and ministries and you know, so they're, they're really putting in the work and they worked hard on China, but it just keeps not happening. Hey, you just got to wait, you know, see yeah. what happens. China is just, it's uncharted territory and and MMA is going to blow. We're going to talk about it probably later, but about yeah. Chinese MMA, but man, it's, I see so much that could happen in that country with mixed martial arts. Yeah. Massive money. Yeah. That's why I'm glad Helen Yi's doing like uh, Chinese interviews now, Mandarin interviews. Yeah, she'll be the new, uh, she'll be the Arrow Hawani of China. Right? Easily. Yeah. Easily. In Chinese. In yeah. Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> People won't know who Ariel is or Luke Thomas is. That be like, oh, Helen Yi, no, she's the one. Number one. Yeah. For sure. Well, she'll be the Helen Yi of China. You know, yeah, we can't right? say Ariel like, Hawani will be the Helen Yi yeah. of uh, America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like oh, a, that is the hell idea of America. Her interview with uh, Whaley from yeah. when after she won the championship, like it was the mm. first time you saw her personality come through as a fighter and uh, not have to worry about translation and going back and forth. And it was really interesting to see the dynamic that interview took compared to all others. So huge, huge potential there. Definitely, man. So next up, uh, I want to talk about gyms uh, in Asia. I know you've got a couple in Korea, but for me, the biggest, the biggest uh, story of the year is really the rise of Tiger Muay Thai. And I feel like they've finally gotten like some of that real international coverage that they've never gotten before or, or not that they did, you know, they, they've deserved it for years, but people are really starting finally to notice outside Asia. And I think that, you know, the work they've done, the work that they put in over the past like five years to really create a program that that grows fighters that builds world-class fighters is, is coming to fruition and uh you know george hickman uh i know you guys are boys but and he's clearly done some some amazing things as the head coach down there the owner the uh, owners have obviously put a lot of faith in the team and it's starting to show this year for sure and i mean they're on the world stage they're in every major promotion and they're just producing the best fighters coming out of Asia, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah, it's phenomenal, man. I've uh, I've known a lot of those guys for the past couple of years, mm. uh, even guys that are not on the world stage. You know that the guys that are still grinding. You know, we we all know Peter Yan. We all know. Yeah. I think Valentina's down there right now. She's been there for a long time, right? Even yeah. before anybody knew who Tiger Muay Thai was. 
Uh, she's down there right now training, I think, for her upcoming fight. She started her camp down there right now. Um, uh, who else is there? Like uh, Nasty Yukins down there. You know, there's a there's a long list of famous people, right? Famous fighters. You can Roundtree. Uh, Cavillo, Cavillo, you know, like, but I want to give shine to the guys that are like down there that are, that are training with them and then they're still putting in the work and they'll be the next stars. It's like, you got like Trent Gurdum, you know, he's a a young kid out of Australia. He's, he fights all the time. uh, And he's still on the grind. I think he's only like 21. I remember meeting him when he was 18. Uh, And you got like Fabricio Andrade, He's yep. a, a kickboxer who's probably going to transition over to MMA. He's even younger than uh, Trent. Uh, you got, uh, uh, you know, veterans like uh, uh, Emilio Urudia, you know, one veteran, you know, one uh, featherweight, you know, a long list. Even even the females, the yeah. female fighters down there, uh, you got like, uh, man, and whenever I try to list names, I always forget half the you people know, that I want to talk about. Like an example to me of like how great, tiger is as a gym and as a as a coaching staff is uh now now i just forgot her name uh the girl from australia who's in uh ows uh win win so yeah. uh i saw her fight in primal fc and i believe she was with aka at the time aka mm-hmm. thailand and she just got murked and it was like a special rules fight that was clearly set up for her to get an easy win against a muay thai fighter and it was supposed to be like uh, Muay Thai with takedowns and she just got destroyed in, in like the worst possible way and like she did not look good in that fight and uh, she could barely walk afterwards I remember seeing her walking through the parking lot of the uh, the beach club that the event was at and she was limping her legs were all swollen up she makes the move to Tiger at some point in between then and, and whenever and she looks like I mean, I know she lost her last fight, but as far as like the way she's looked in OWS has been amazing. Like she looks like a completely different fighter than she was at Primal. Hmm. And she's doing things that I would have, I've never, I never expected to see her fight again after that. I mean, it was, it was that bad. And then she goes to Tiger and whatever the secret sauce that they're working with there at Tiger just completely unlocked her potential. And, and I've seen that with a few fighters that go there from other gyms and just move on to that next level. They level up. And to me, I mean, that that's one of the, the most amazing things coming out of Asia. And I, I'm so glad that people on an international stage are talking about Tiger now. Yeah, you know, they got a bunch of prospects. You know, there's Casey O'Neill, another girl from Australia. She was the champion for Eternal. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's going to fight for that title again. Uh, she's never lost. She just missed weight her last fight, but still won the fight. Uh, she just got down there, um, you know, and, and the coaching staff, man, like they got some great coaches. It's not just the MMA coaches. You got to look at like the boxing coaches. They have two solid boxing coaches. If you watched or followed Peter Yan, uh, his last camp, he had uh, a guy from, I think his name is Johnny. Johnny Boxing, I think. I don't know his full name. I don't remember off the top of my head. But Johnny Boxing, he's a guy that's been, you know, sharpening the boxing of Peter Yan. And you know what Peter Yan is known for? He's known yeah. for his boxing, right? And his uh, forward pressure and and, yeah. and and his scrambles. And and now his kicks, for some reason. He, he, he 
decapitated Uriah Faber with a head yeah. kick. That was a weird head kick too. It wasn't even yeah. like a full head kick, but, but yeah, like there's a whole coaching staff down there. You know, you got uh Frank Hitman too, you yep. know, George's brother. He's uh he's all over the place, you know? Yeah. He's running the wrestling, but he's also like Volkanovsky's main guy for wrestling that he goes and brings in for camp. You know, I think that also helps a lot for the, for Tiger Muay Thai is the coaches kind of uh, BJJ, right? Yeah, Alex Shield. Um, yeah, you know, there's so many guys down there that it's you know you only see the certain big names on on in the UFC or whatever. Yeah, but there's a lot of guys that that come together. You got Woody with strength and conditioning. You know, there's so many guys. It's you know, it's hard. It's hard to remember everybody, but it's it's a collaborative effort. And I'm pretty sure all those guys, if you talk to, yeah. If yeah. you talk to them, they'll tell you the same thing. And also, they've made some good business moves, man. Like, if you're a gym and a and a growing gym and 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 a popular destination, you have to make great business decisions. You can't just be like, "Oh, we're a fighters' gym." You gotta kind of bring in the guys that are gonna bring in the attention, and yeah. that's what they've done. They've picked and selected uh, the fighters and treated them well, and and they bring more fighters. And you never know who that brings in. You know, like word of mouth. And I think that has worked well for them. And now when you go to Tiger and see like the pro practices, it's like 60 people from like all over the world. Like what gym has, I don't think many gyms have that amount of people at one time from all over the world, like from Europe and other parts of Asia and and, and North America, even Brazil. Uh, Yeah, man, they're doing big things and, and they've just getting started, which is pretty insane to say. Insane. Now in Korea, who do you have gym wise that's on your radar? Well, the, the the number one gym that I see uh, is Team Stun Gun, which is uh, just they just formed it recently. Who uh, it's Stun Gun, you know Stun Gun, the yep. UFC welterweight. He created his own gym, and uh, he created his own team. And on the roster, he has like uh, a couple. He has a UFC vet. You know, he has former champions, and uh, he has uh, prospects coming up. He has a good group and he's developing them himself basically with one other coach, actually two other coaches. And, uh, and he's, he's doing it the, like the, the American way he's built, he's, he's bringing them in. He's, he's housing them. He's providing for them and he's training for, you know, training them and, and, and trying to create the next uh, superstar. Yeah. And I think because he has the fund, the funding and, and the money to do it why not man and and you're gonna see big things out of, out of that team i it's believe i think you'll see you like a backer no he's he has his own money he's he also does uh he's also a celebrity tv personality so he's always on tv doing like talk shows and and variety shows and and he makes just probably like tons you. of cash off that huh just like you yeah yeah i wish i wish like i was doing that john co yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, Team Stun Stun Gun. I I I have to give them some props. Um, yeah. Everybody else knows the other gyms. You know, you got Korean Top Team. You got Team Mad. Mm. They're always doing the same thing. But I feel like those teams they need to kind of level up a little bit because Team Stun Gun's coming. And then there's a, one more other team called Team Extreme Combat. They have a few fighters fighting for one championship. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, Pretty Boy. Yeah. Oh, one one eight. He's from yeah. Extreme uh, Combat. Uh, uh, the, another guy, another bandweight, 
uh, Kim Jae-un, he just debuted and knocked out. I forgot who he knocked out, Kim but Jung-un. he's vicious. Huh? Kim Jong-un. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you say it fast enough, that's what it sounds like. Uh, yeah, he he's he's another legit prospect, a bantamweight. Uh, those guys have sick power, both of them. They don't look like it, but they do. Uh, I've been watching those guys for a long time. But yeah, that's another team I think for one championship you need to look out for is extreme combat. Uh, but other than that, yeah, man, those are the main ones. Talking of fighters, uh, I, my, one of my favorite fighters in Asian MMA comes out of Tiger, and I forgot to mention him, Top Noy. Oh, one yeah, of the yeah. most exciting, interesting fighters to watch for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, the, the other gym I want to mention in Thailand that uh, I think is on the come up, and I hope we see big things from the next year is uh, Team Quest Thailand up in Chiang Mai. Mm-hmm. Uh, Javier comes out of there. My boy uh, Greg Maganj, amateur fighter, out of there. So I and they have they have some great prospects that they're developing. So I hope we see that blossom into something very interesting. Uh, Dylan Fussell, the head coach up there, is you know brilliant guy, absolute beast in himself. So be it'll be fun to see uh, see them grow in 2020. Yeah, talk about positive energy, man. That Dylan, you know, I've spoke to him like like online a few times and, and yeah. I met him just recently in person and, and he's one of the nicest guys you ever meet, but he's, sure. he's a killer, you know, like there's, that's like everybody though. There's so many guys, most of the guys you'll meet are the nicest guys or, yeah. or girls, but they're killers. And like that's why I love it. Level though. Like I've seen Dylan just take a straight beating and like in a round and come back and win the fight. And I mean, th- that's grit on like a level that you don't understand. Like, like I can't fathom like how he just keeps it going. And the guys who train with him talk about like when he trains, it's like consistent, high output, nonstop. And like, that's just his style. And it is, I- I'm excited to see what that produces in 2020 because it seems like a lot of things have moved into place for them. Yeah, he, he just loves it. He loves combat sports. I think he just he just won a title, a Muay Thai title, and then yeah. he lost it like a couple weeks later. That's how often he's doing Muay Thai now. So, you know, well, shout I mean, out to Dylan, Muay man. Thai, he's a, he's such a good guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of these Thai <laughs> guys fight twice a week. Yeah. Hey, that's uh, that's another animal right there. Well, let's move on to the big promotions in uh in Asia, and I want to jump right into my favorite topic, one FC, or one championship. Um, a lot of news around them this year, but I want to start out with the Grand Prix because to me this was one of the most exciting things. And they had two Grand Prix, two weight classes in MMA, and it was it was dragged out over a year, and I thought it was fantastic, like great drama, great fights. The lightweight Grand Prix, though, had uh, obviously Eddie Alvarez got upset and then he got knocked out by Nasty Yukin in the in the first round of the Grand Prix. And then uh, Nasty Yukin fell out and they brought Eddie back and then Eddie got injured or something. And uh, that led up to me being one of the greatest stories of the year, which was Christian Lee winning the Grand Prix on 10 days notice against Doggy, who I thought was the hands down favorite to win that tournament. Everybody, everybody was thinking the same thing, you know, but there was also uh, Lowen. Lowen was a big favorite to win the thing and he got injured too. Uh, And and Timothy also, he was 
he was you know people are looking at him to win it I too but to yes favorite. with uh, how it worked out y- you're right doggy was the one everybody's like no matter what who steps in it's if it's eddie or or whoever else doggy has the skill set hmm. to win it all and uh and christian exposed him that's yeah. all i can say on 10 days notice it made him look like yeah. look like a child and what do you exposure wins the yeah. championship from uh Shinyaoki in in a fight that he was clearly losing drake don't worry that's coming man that's coming <laughs> um he's, he's typing suplex talk in the chat but oh suplex yeah. gate's coming yeah. um christian had a great year he uh he won the championship from Shinya Yoki in a fight that he he clearly lost the first round, came back in the second to get the finish. Great finish, won the championship, and then on 10 days notice, takes a spot in the Grand Prix against a monster. Like, like I said, my, Doggy was my dream fight for the finals of that was uh, Timothy versus da- Doggy. I thought that would be an amazing matchup. Mm-hmm. And Doggy was everyone's favorite. And on 10 days notice, Christian Lee comes in and absolutely murks him in a way that we've never seen. Didn't even make him look like like he was a fighter. And, you know, Christian didn't get the finish, but he took the fight on 10 days notice. You know, how amazing is that? And well, I, th- Christian... I thought that was like the best ending to that tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's the story of the year for one championship. That sure. he's the story of the year. Is it like yeah. he's if there's a fighter of the year for one championship for the promotion, it's mm-hmm. Christian Lee. There's you cannot argue that. That he has yeah. he's done so much in this year that you know, and he's only what 21 years old right now. Is he he's he's so young. Yeah. Okay, 20. Years. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. Like that guy already still has like 15 more years of of a career left and he's already I don't done care so if much. The next fight is against TRT uh, Vitor <laughs> coming back at heavyweight. I'm going to pick for Christian every time now. I mean, how can you, how can you pick against the guy after a year like this? Yeah, definitely, man. Um, uh, yeah. Christian, hey, he's, he's, he's found the weight class that he yeah. belongs in, mm-hmm. which is what lightweight it's he's featherweight. I think he was killing. Yeah. I think he was killing himself to uh, diet down during camps to go to featherweight. And yeah. it was that old, you know, cliche, the diminishing returns, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it was true for him. Uh, Cause it, you know, who, you know, who showed that is Martin. Martin showed that twice. Like, yeah. Hey, Christian, you're not going to be the champ. You're not yeah. going to be the champ in the featherweight division. Yeah. Cause uh, you got, you, I'm here, you know what I mean? So, and I think that that was actually a good thing for Christian to, to kind of realize that, hey, maybe I should go up to lightweight and uh, yeah. and, and, and go chase after those. He's really yeah. welterweight. He's a welterweight fighter. And it shows you how big Christian is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how big he is. And and I think he walks around most likely when he's in training camp at like 170. So it doesn't, you know, that 10 days notice, I feel like it's not as a big deal, you know, yeah. for like weight-wise, you know, weight-wise, as everybody's thinking. Of he went five yeah. rounds. Three, he went three rounds. Three no rounds. Three and rounds with no pressure, like massive yeah. pressure on uh, and doggy and doggy and 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 doggy kind of showed that, you know, like a lot of people were speculating about him. Can he get out of that first round and continue yeah. the, the pace that he puts on? Really and not. he couldn't. He yeah. couldn't because he came in and and he definitely won the first round right against Christian, like he knocked him down. Yeah. 
he put on he put on some like a barrage and Christian survived. Yeah, Christian survived and and won the the next two and hey man, it's that could be the upset of the year, who knows. Like a lot of people in the western world don't even talk about that, but I'm saying man, like if you know the narrative around that fight, yeah. it's like that could be that's like on on the top 5 of upsets of the year, don't you think? I was on the edge of my seat that whole fight. It was amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely uh... amazing. And, and there's have, rumors now, you know, the that? rumors, the rumors what? now is like, what's Christian going to do next? And uh, maybe, maybe we'll talk about that later. So yeah. let, let's, let's not talk into well, let's, that. Let's go to the next let's topic. Talk about DJ real quick. Cause he's the other half right. of this, uh, this story. And uh, he, he had a tough go at the beginning of the uh, Grand Prix, mm-hmm. N- not the easiest fight against uh, Yaya, Yuya, but he ended up coming through at the end. And I think he took every fight in the Grand Prix. Uh, he took the the finals to a decision against mm-hmm. Kenyon, which I didn't expect. And I'm starting yeah. to wonder, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if DJ is just fighting safe or or what. That he, he's he doesn't look like he did in the UFC. I think it's just that it's different types of fighters. Mm-hmm. Like he's still getting used to the the fighters out here. And yeah, if you notice, like dominant against other people yeah but it's styles man like the styles style there's there's a different style out there uh in here in asia uh it's it's a different body type you know like these japanese guys bring different skill sets and the filipino guys also um and they're bigger Hmm. they're much bigger bigger guys yeah they're bigger guys i think dj he doesn't have to like worry about you know, his weight so much, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think these guys, I think uh, him cutting to 125 in the UFC actually doesn't help him in one championship. Maybe he's his body after like a year of fighting and getting used to the hydration test and all that stuff. Um, maybe we might see a different DJ in 2020, mm. but he has this biggest test coming up in that Adriano, man. A lot of people yeah. believe Adriano's the guy to, to knock off DJ. Like legit knockoff DJ, not no fake, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be definitely a good fight. But there's a lot of guys. I talked to a lot of guys, man, fighters, and they're that's what they think, man. They have faith. Talking about that weight cut, and I want to talk about a one for the first time ever broadcast their uh, their mysterious weigh in process. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one of the weigh ins that they or weigh in and hydration test for the first time ever they broadcast it, and I know on MMA Twitter it was a kind of a big thing when when that popped up that they scheduled it on their YouTube channel. And it was interesting to see uh, a, a, a sliver of transparency from one on this process, which they've been so caged about in the past. Well, I, I like it, man. I like that they are taking the steps, you know, mm-hmm. to be more transparent. You know what I mean? Why, why look at the negative great. side? I like to look at the positive side of them, you know, scheduling it live, which is mm-hmm. not, you know, if you wanted to hide something, it would not be live. It would be no. recorded and then you put it out, edited the way that you want it to be yeah. put out, right? But they're they're doing it live and and uh and it's a step, man. I feel like there you see in Asia there's no commission. So they're no. their own commission. Just like when the UFC comes to Korea, right? Yeah, in UFC Kusan, they're their own commission. Hire a commission from the US to come with them. Do they? I don't even yeah. I didn't see anybody. Yeah, I didn't see anybody. 
Whenever bring, I go to like any UFC shows in Asia, I didn't see yeah, any commission. from other states or, or like a third party commission to independently operate the show. One championship has their employees as their commission, essentially. Okay. Yeah, okay. So I agree with you that that step towards transparency is a huge positive. I mean, I think no one dogged them on that at all. And mm-hmm. we shouldn't. I mean, that's a step in the right direction. <laughs> I think I'm, people still dog them on that, man. You know so, how Twitter is. People yeah, still okay. dog them on that because that's what Twitter is. Twitter is just people dogging people all the time. <laughs> but I mean, for them to take a step, I mean, it's a huge step for them. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. give them credit where credit is due. And yeah. they, they did something really good there, in, in my opinion. So and when and when people didn't pass, they put it up there. You know, they, they put they up the numbers. The they pulled. The yeah, fight. they pulled the fight. And, and yeah. that's great, man. Even though even I didn't pretty to be honest with you, like. Pulling the fight, I wish they would have just made it a catchweight fight, or you know, or or made us make a solution, you know, to, for allow them the fighters to fight. The weight they pulled the fight because of hydration. Oh, okay, okay. Then that's that's justifiable. Then yeah, just that's fine. Clear. I mean, it shows that they take that they are at least giving the appearance of taking safety mm-hmm. seriously, mm-hmm. and and I think they are. I think they made the changes for the right reason. I'm just. I wish there was more transparency on the process because we've seen a lot of fighters complain and I've heard stories from other people of favorite fighters getting sort of a a pass on hydration Mm -hmm. or getting second chances. So I I would love to see a little bit more transparency in that overall process because there are three checks during the week and it'd be nice to see that. But again, the logistics of that may be too much for them. They Mm -hmm. are their own commission, their own regulatory body. And we'll get into some of that in a little bit. Uh, one of the things that was interesting that came out of the whole broadcast weigh-in and some of the, the social media stuff that went around was uh, the thing I'm calling Pissgate, which is we saw photos mm-hmm. emerge of uh, Rich Franklin and uh, Bashir Ahmad, who are two uh, One Championship employees handling urine samples without gloves. And Rich Franklin later said, uh, I forget whose uh, podcast it was, but Rich Franklin said they were testing the hydration levels or the gravity levels of the urine. I thought that was it was it was funny that the pictures went around and like one of them is like Rich Franklin in a bathroom with shorts and flip flops holding a, a a bottle or a cup of pee with no gloves and then Bashir doing the same at a table. It, one great to show that they're actually you've got guys and those are probably the two nicest, most trustworthy guys. If I was going to believe anyone in one championship staff if they said something on face value those would be the two guys um but like the fact that they don't have gloves on i think was like the funniest thing and you know for a company that claims to have like a billion dollar plus valuation buy some latex gloves man (laughs) yeah definitely i I don't even know if i would want to handle my own piss without gloves so right (laughs) yeah but yeah um, the pictures you know who who released those pictures is, is it just like a random person that took the pictures and released them or is someone taking credit for that? I think what happened was a um, someone on the who was there at the weigh-ins posted it on their Instagram mm-hmm. and someone on Twitter captured it and reposted it and it's sort of mm-hmm. got like reshared all around uh, Twitter. Oh, okay. Why, why would you be taking pictures of someone handling piss? I don't understand that. Is I, I think it was it was a fighter just trying to talk about like, oh, here's the uh, the weigh-in hydration process, uh, and they posted uh, something. 
And okay, I, so they're trying to show like, hey, they're doing something. It's not like fake. It's they're actually yeah. t- testing the hydration. Okay. And I, I but I, the funny thing was that I think the it was the picture with uh, Bashir. It was just like fifty samples in front of him, and he had no gloves. I mean, I felt so bad for the guy. It's um, like the Pepsi test. Yeah. <laughs> Pepsi but challenge. They, they're clearly going through and testing all these samples. Yeah. And I think that yeah. was the good thing that it showed that they really are doing the test. So we're we're getting a sneak peek, right? Throughout yeah. the last last like a uh, year or so, sneak peek into like what the hydration tests look like and and like the the weigh-ins are becoming live and and that's a good step, man, because there has Great. been a lot of talk, you know, in the past of like what's really going on and and hey, I'm it it shows that if you speak loud enough they can hear you yeah. and they're going to take the, the steps. And in 2020, hopefully, you know, they make it more, they expose themselves more and, and make more things transparent. And then people will talk less and then yeah. they will get more respect out of that as a promotion, as an organization. And I, uh, I, I love it, man, because I talked to a lot of one championship fighters, man. And, and a lot of them have, you know, a good situation there, you know, yeah. compared to if they were fighting for, let's say for the UFC, they would probably get screwed in their pay. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of the times, you know, if they went into the UFC. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at it as like, I want to see what's next. You know, I want to see like how much we can, uh, how much we can learn from them, how much more they can teach us about their organization in 2020. Yeah. But a lot of people I, I are the fights uh, yeah. they put on. I love I, some of the fighters they have on their roster are amazing. Not all, mm-hmm. but I mean they don't yeah. have the best roster in the world, but they have some great fighters in Asia for sure. Yeah. Well, you and, can say that about Bellator too. You've seen some of the Bellator yeah. cards. <laughs> having been to UFC events and having been to one championship events, I would say that one championship's like live production is is a mm-hmm. step above UFC's. I have no idea. I've never been to a one championship event, so I have no idea. But people me, probably think like I've been to like every one championship event. I've never like this is me. I've yeah. never been to a one championship event in my life. I've been to a few UFC events as yeah. I've never been to an event as a fan. I've always been at an event covering the event. So and it's only been UFC or uh, local events like in Korea, but mm-hmm. never one championship. I've only been to UFC events as a fan. I've been to only one championships as, as media and only when I'm in country, like for something else. So if it's in Thailand, I've been to Thailand shows, uh, which I don't go to anymore. Cause one, I don't think one would let me in um, since, since I'm essentially blacklisted by one. But when I've been in Malaysia, I've been to shows that happen to coincide and I've been to shows in Singapore. Um, but yeah, live production is great on their shows. I think it beats the uh, the UFC's live production. But overall product, I think the UFC puts on better fights. Oh, there's no question, man. Like, I've wrote this on Twitter. Like, there's no question. Like, where the biggest, yeah, biggest fights are. It's in it's world. in the UFC. Yeah. Like UFC, what was it? Two forty five, the last big one that we had. Mm-hmm. That was just an example, a taste of what they have to offer man triple title that main event was bonkers nuts crazy of covington broken jaw still fighting you know for the next three rounds that's come on man like there's nothing else like that but uh yeah let's get back to the asian mma let's do this (laughs) we'll talk about ufc in a bit uh next on the one 
keeping with one, I want to talk about a, a story that our boy Michael Fidel broke, I believe, which is One Lies About Wada. So for, I think, over a year now, and this started with a tweet from uh, James Goiter uh, that one was going to implement WADA-style testing. And then they're like, no, you know, I, I asked some people at one about it. They all denied it. Um, and it, it sort of trickled out the way one does with little bits here and there. And Michael Fidel goes straight to WADA, and they're like, yo, we, we don't, we're not even sure who one championship is. So it, it was yeah. like this big thing where they're like, oh, we're going to do drug testing. And then it turns out they're not even working with WADA. And then we see that they signed Vitor Belfort. He's coming back as a heavyweight and, and looks like the Incredible Hulk from Brazil. Hmm. So <laughs> there's clearly a discrepancy here in their their narrative. What, what did you think of this? Mm, I thought like, like, yes, that was kind of funny. You know, that was funny, like they were saying one thing and, and some people were reporting another and then Michael goes to WADA and gets gets the the lowdown. And then I think they had a response to that article, if I'm if I remember correctly, yeah, about they're not style testing. We don't yeah, have to water style. do that style testing. All right. Well, you know, we don't know until they start releasing results, until people start getting suspended. We don't know. You know what I mean? We don't know if they're actually testing or not. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that they're testing from fighters. Like fighters have told me like, yeah, they're testing. Like yeah. I've been tested. Right. So I know what's going on because why would the fighters lie about being tested? Yeah. Nobody wants to be tested. Right. For anything. Right. Do you want to go take an AIDS test? No. <laughs> that shit is scary. Right. <laughs> like you don't want to be taking those tests. Right. It doesn't matter what it is. What kind of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what was that guy that you were talking about? Uh, never bear, 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 bear. bbw yeah bbw yeah whatever anyways yeah so any test you know nobody wants to take so guys telling me you know guys that are you know big big names in the industry telling me like yeah i've been tested man i know i've been tested yeah. and so so people are being tested um like one like chatri saying one thing and then what's being done in the background, you know, in the organization, I don't know. It's not clear. Like, I wish that would be more clear next year. I wish they would like come out and, and, and give us the guidelines of like what's actually going on and, and maybe even tell us who's been tested, you know, like USADA does. USADA will like put it on their website. Like this person has been tested. This is the result. And so even USADA is not perfect either. Right. Come on. You got it. Yeah, it's like testing is a fucking murky, murky uh, situation right there. Like, it's, you know, I don't know, man. It's this, the testing thing is like, to be honest with you, I don't care about testing. You know, if the U UFC wants yeah, to test, great. If if they don't want to test, great. You know what I mean? It's the fighters are the ones that should decide, like, should we be tested or not? You know what I mean? But yeah, that, that whole situation, like you said, it's like he said, she said. He said yeah. this, she said this. It's going to go back and forth. There's no evidence, really. You know what I mean? Like, because I heard that you could work with WADA, but not yeah. work directly with WADA. Well, no. So I feel like Chatry's statement was a real rollback on what he had said when he's like, oh, we don't need to work with WADA directly with the, their WADA sanctioned mm -hmm. labs. Mm -hmm. Then that kind of puts a, takes away a layer of transparency. From, but is from that true, though? Before. What's that? Is that true? Can you work with WADA? Uh, uh, approved labs without working directly with WADA? Sure, but it doesn't mean that they're going to have the oversight of WADA. 
It could be a lab right. that's water a water certified testing facility. It doesn't mean it has the same level of scrutiny as if it mm. were a water test because yeah. there's different layers of oversight there. So that that's one of the things to to think about. And I, I know I've heard from fighters the same as you that they are being tested now, which is a change because mm. in 2016 there was an interview that uh, was done on the uh, Capture Mark podcast with uh, Shannon Wichichai talking about he had never been tested for mm. uh, for drugs in in one championship that they had only ever done like blood tests and communicable disease tests and a basic health check. So that has definitely been a change. But again, with TRT Vel- uh, Vitor coming back in the in the fray, how, how is that going to unfold? Because he's clearly not au natural. He's coming back at heavyweight, and he looks like a monster. Well, that's I mean, okay with me. TRT exemptions. I mean, what's and, and you know, is he allowed to have like a seventeen point five million to one uh, epi to testosterone ratio? What, what's what's the case? I have no idea, but they must have TRT exemptions, especially with doctors. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure that uh, if you go to your doctor and uh, I know in Korea, like you could get TRT at the hospital yeah. from your doctor if you test you low enough. From a pharmacy in, in the corner. Yeah. So um, maybe if you have the doctor's approval, mm. you can take it. And that's how one championship works. I don't know because it, like you said, there's we don't know clearly what's going on. So such a dirty uh, workaround. Such yeah. Dirty so, workaround. like you know, so that's what I want to see. I want to see more of like, okay, if this is going on, like, how is this going on? If yeah. it's like, if it's if it's in the guidelines, hey, it's in the guidelines. Yeah. That's clear. Like, let sure. them do. Let them. Let them. Let the organization do what they do. Right. It's in yeah. the guidelines. Vitor comes back, but um. Yeah, that's. I think that's the one of the going to be the one of the stories of next year is like Vitor comes back. What does he look like? Yeah, he's gonna look like a, the a MMA ball. Twitter is gonna fucking bust a nut. You know what I mean? Like when he he re- when he takes off the shirt and he's just like, he's looking like yeah, like the Hulk. So we got hate the player, hate the game in the chat saying one shadiness and transparency. Call one FC out on Twitter, they'll block you. Uh, they are so sensitive to criticism. <laughs> Hashtag block club. Me too, man. Block club. One's had me blocked since the uh, the Evolve conflict piece. Conflict of interest piece. So, yeah, they're notorious for that. They'll block you if you if you question them on something. Or if you don't answer Lauren's phone call, Lauren Max phone call, the uh, VP of PR, when he hits you up to tell, tell you to take a story down and you say no, you find yourself blocked. Um, it's real life. That's how it is. So I'm proud to be in that block club for sure. Uh, moving on, though, I want to talk to, about my favorite subject uh, for one championship this year is the legality of suplexes. And one, it, it's completely stupid. It's a stupid rule. It's a stupid move to make illegal, especially considering it's a high school wrestling move. Right. And these are pro fighters. And for an organization that used to have soccer kicks and knees to the head, well, they still have knees to the head, but they used to have soccer kicks, you're going to make suplexes illegal, which is the dumbest thing ever. And then you're going to implement it completely randomly. Hey, they're their own commission. Yeah, you could well, implement well, things randomly if you want, man. Like, uh, I yeah, I understand what you're saying, you know, like, and a lot of, wrestlers i've talked to so many wrestlers 
you know and you've probably talked to so many wrestlers and fighters so, like what is going on with this suplex thing you know and, and, and they implemented after dream man it was a few years ago dream man won a fight with a suplex and like oh no suplex mm-hmm. are illegal you can't win that fight mm-hmm. you know and they have I'm, this fantasy uh you know competition commission or whatever they call them that overturns fights makes rules on the fly no, no, sorry. Jabs are illegal. You know, they could do something like that. It, and it, it just so, again, the lack of transparency, it's so arbitrary. It's so stupid for them to just be like, oh, you can't do this or you can do that. Or now it's legal, but it wasn't. And I think the perfect example of that was the, uh, the Angela Lee fight at one century mm-hmm. where fifth round, and that was a close fight. I mean, I had it going for Angela at that point but regardless if it went to a decision at the end of the fifth i think she won that fight um she gets she gets a back control on uh zhang and and lands a, a beautiful belly-to-back suplex and even um their commentator mitch chilson called it a beautiful belly-to-back suplex <laughs> <laughs> like straight on her shoulder and head straight up and uh, which is clearly an illegal move. And here's the other thing, right? Um, Oliver Koss was the referee for that, for that fight. And I think personally, he is the least credible referee in all of MMA, simply for the fact that he is a company man. He's bought and paid for by one championship. He's a full-time employee of one championship. Now, all referees for one championship work for them directly, but he's a full-time employee there. So, he's not going to go against whatever the wishes of the company are. He's a straight company man. And he makes some of the worst calls in Asian, in Asian MMA. Now in general, he does a good job of keeping fighters safe, stopping fights for the most part. But if I was a fighter and I was fighting a one, one of one's favorite, one of one's golden boys, I would hate to see him as the referee for that fight, because I would have zero confidence in his ability to officiate it fairly. And so he lets the suplex go, not a word, nothing, no warning, doesn't stop it, nothing. The suplex happens. Angela goes on to get the finish. Great finish. Amazing fight for Angela, especially since she had lost the first fight. I mean, I thought fantastic. Um, But, and then um, I got to give credit to a homegirl who asked the question because I tweeted at her. I I got to, I'm doing so bad now. The girl from Fanside, do you know her name, John? Oh, the the editor? Yeah. Oh, Amy Kaplan? Amy. Uh, So I got to give credit to Amy because I tweeted at her to ask about the suplex during the press conference, and she actually did. And uh, she asked about the legality of the the suplex, and uh, Chachi basically said, oh, we have to have the the competition committee look at it. And suplexes are only actually illegal if they land in a certain way. And and then uh, Angela went on to respond that she thought it was a, a legal suplex because she had turned her, but in reality she hadn't. She landed young land down her head. Um, and, and nothing against nothing against Angela at all. I think it's a stupid rule. It shouldn't be illegal. Her brother had already been screwed out of a win. Christian had been screwed out of a win for a suplex for a fight that he looked amazing in. So yeah. I, I don't want to see Angela lose because of it. But what I want to see is one like have some honesty about their own rule set and, and not have these officials that have zero credibility, you know, working for them, you know, making these calls. 
man it's you know a that's lot there. just what it is you know there's a lot to digest right there you know yeah. like i think if someone's watching this for the first time they're like what's going on uh and going back to angela lee man like that's just an example of why you should not have the suplex rule. Just leave, just get it out of there. Like keep it in, you know, like what's, what's the point of, yeah, it was, man, that was such a good fight. Like it's one of the best best fights of the year. Yeah. For women's MMA in one championship, best fight ever. Like it was so fun to watch. And, uh, and, and having that little bit of a, uh, controversy, I guess it with the suplex, it kind of taints the, the fight. And yeah. uh, and uh, I wish they would just clear it up and just get rid of the suplex rule. And yeah. and I understand what why they did it, why they got rid of the suplex rule. Because I think someone got severely injured. I, I think someone got severely injured by a suplex. Uh, from what I remember, I think it was the uh, one of the guys from Com- Cambodian Top Team. He got suplexed in a fight. I think maybe it was the Dream Man fight. Maybe did he fight a Com- Cambodian Top Team guy? But he got severely injured, like terribly like on his neck and his back and stuff. And um, and I remember watching some of that unfold on Facebook. Hmm. And, I, and, I, and I believe that's why uh, they, they kind of put that rule in there. But I feel like, hey, uh, just get rid of it. You know what I mean? I understand that people can get injured from it. And if you do it wrong, and if the guy lands wrong, yeah. um, but man, I just just keep it. Just keep the rule in. Just just uh, just high school wrestling. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep suplexes in. Um, I I liked suplexes. Um, hey, did you see the one on road? The last road event, the guy spiked the other guy on the head. <laughs> and they didn't even they didn't even they didn't even uh they didn't even like disqualify the guy. He just like gave him some time to recover, and then they continued fighting. And and the guy that got spiked won the fight. That was some pride shit. Yeah, so it was like straight up. He just picked him up and spiked him right on his head. And uh, they, the road just let him go. You know, they're like, hey, he's all good. Let's... And he won the fight by decision. So, hey, he could recover from that stuff. But anyways. Um... On the on the suplex thing too, Drake Riggs, our, our boy in the comments here, saying that he hasn't even heard back from them yet. And he, he's uh... been trying to follow up. He wrote that piece on the body lock. So, you know, it, it's clear that they're not wanting to talk about it for some reason. And it, it's a stupid rule. Like, and like you said, and I agree, it completely tainted what was one of the best fights, not just in Angela's career, but in one championship this year, was that that suplex rule is tainting the fact that she had an amazing performance. Yeah, definitely, definitely had amazing. Well, uh, if she would have a breakout performance, that's the breakout performance of her career. I, her I feel like this lost up until the point where she lost. She looked amazing. Zhang looked amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're both top, top level fighters in Asia. I love it. I love yeah. it, man. I love, uh, I love the rivalry that they have. And yeah, uh, next year we're going to see another one. I guarantee it. I, I guarantee I we're going to see another one. Hope we see the, uh, the rubber match. Now we're going to see like 10 of them. <laughs> <laughs> if it, if it not not that they sell tickets at one, but uh, you know, or pay per views. Yeah, money, money's not an object. I guess it's the best yeah. honor, loyalty, respect in martial arts. Definitely, definitely. Or John Cena would say, uh, "Hustle, loyalty, respect." Yeah. But both of those fights, Angela and Christian's big fights this year, are both at one century, which was this huge doubleheader in Japan. Uh, to me, great cards, two great cards. Um, and they were facing that whole uh. 
uh, was it typhoon or hurricane, whatever was happening there. Crazy. Mm, Same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the, the trains were shut down. The city was flooding. They had emergency generators. But at the same Oh, yo, time, hey. I was going to go. That was going to be my first uh, one championship events, like yeah. covering the events. And I bought tickets and, and hotels. And I was going to fly that Saturday morning yeah. to Tokyo because it's only a two-hour flight, right? And I could make it for uh, the weigh-ins and or, you know, the media day or whatever, Saturday, right? And the fights are on Sunday. And uh, and I couldn't fly, man, because the typhoon canceled all the f- flights. My hotel, I paid for that in advance. And then they said, uh, since you, you know, like when you buy, when you pay for a hotel in advance and it says no refund, no matter what, I got that deal. So I lost money on the hotel and then my flights got canceled. So I just had to stay home and watch it from, you know, my TV. But um, yeah, man, like that, like I was looking forward to that because I felt like, yeah, man, there's some crazy fights on there. And yeah. even the the even like the 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 undercard was like insane, yeah. and uh, and I was oh, like looking oh, forward to that yeah. so much, yeah. And I was looking forward to that, but then I couldn't make it, man. I was wishing to be live, but hey, maybe in the future one day I'll be able to go to a show. Uh, to me though, I mean, it was too much for one day. It was too much. Oh, was it? It was overload. And it was just like it was all consuming of my life for a whole day. It was like that meme of the guy that's sitting in front of the computer and then he ha- has all the milk around him. Yeah. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> you know, the problem is, is that it was two stack cards and every fight was interesting. And so there was no chance for mm. me to be like, okay, I can take a break now, except for like what three hours between cards. Yeah, it was it was a uh, if you love MMA, like yeah. if you love love MMA, like you 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 can watch it for like 10 hours. Yeah. That was the perfect day. That was your Christmas right there. Yeah. Christmas in uh If you're an what, Asian, MMA, was that? that was yeah. a great day. Especially with yeah. the, the pre-finals and you know, yeah. the Lee Young fight, you know, it was uh, so much goodness all in once. You know, and and, but it was like just too much. By the end of the day, I was like literally exhausted. I was like, I can't watch another one card for like a month. Yeah, I had to pick and choose. Like I would watch it, the the fights, and then I'll keep it on. But I'll yeah. walk away and I'll be doing something because it was a whole day thing. Like you couldn't yeah. just like go and watch it for a couple hours and it's over. It's like you got to be have the TV on for the, the whole day. They're covering that live. Yeah, it would have been pretty insane, but a lot of content though, which is always great for somebody that's doing media. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to move on from this. We already talked about Christian Lee, which is the next thing on the uh, the docket, but he had a great year. We already touched on that. Um, UFC in Asia this year, pretty big year. You were at most of the events. Talk, talk us through what the UFC looked like in Asia and what you expect from them next year. Um, you know, I was in Shenzhen and. I was at Busan uh, last weekend. Those are the two shows that I went to. I did not go to Singapore. And I, f- I believe that they had a show earlier this year in Beijing, too, which was pretty massive. Curtis yeah. Blades versus uh, Nganu, which yeah. was like, damn, I missed that. I wish I was there for that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I thought they did a pretty good year, you know. Like, uh, it's slow. Asia's a slow market for the UFC. And they're they're not shy, you know. They're not shy about saying that. But I feel like next year 
the Chinese market is going to blow. It's going to, it's going to, in the next five years, the Chinese market is going to just be, it's going to be bigger than the the Brazilian market for MMA. UFC Chinese champion. Exactly. And that's the first step is to get the champion in there and to promote the UFC with the champion in China. And, and then now they're building, they built the PI there and, uh, and they're, growing the the next generation of fighters at the pi every every six months every six months they have a scholarship program where they bring in the they they have a combine like the nfl and then they put them through the combine and they select the the best fighters they feel like they could uh uh, cultivate in the six month period and then they house them feed them and and they give them access to the whole pi and uh and hey man if any fighter can do that they're going to become much better than they are if they stayed at home at their local gym. Right. So, so you're going to, you're going to see some gems, man, coming out of that program and just them stalking the, the, the regional scene. I'm pretty sure the UFC got guys traveling around China looking for the next big name, the next, uh, uh, young Sadong and, and, you know, those types of fighters, uh, already talented. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I see it growing. Like I, I feel the UFC is going to be concentrated in China. I don't yeah. see like the UFC. Uh, I don't. I don't think the UFC is going to go back to Singapore, from what I heard, and uh, and and their last card kind of showed you that. Like mm. there was not many Asian That's fighters on it. Mind. I think Lomo's the only Asian fighter, if I'm not mistaken, on that well, whole card. You mentioned about uh Tiger, right? Is they they put yeah. the first Thai fighter in uh in the, the UFC. UFC? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, what is it? Is it her nickname the Pocket Rocket? <laughs> no, no. Loma's her nickname. Oh, Amp, Amp, right? Yeah, Loma I think means dolphin in in uh. So Thai in nickname. Thai. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Thai name is Loma dolphin or something. Four metal dojo. Yeah. Yeah, against the Pocket Rocket. I think she fought the Pocket Rocket. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, like going back to the. Uh, the Singapore, I don't feel like they're gonna have any shows in Singapore. Korea, it's it'll be hard for them to come back in twenty twenty. I think they have a contact uh contractual agreement with like the tourism ministry of Singapore or something. Mm-hmm. They might have to do another one. But if they're not making money, the tourism industry or whatever, yeah, I don't think they'll bring them back. What's the? It'd be no point of bringing them back to lose money, right? And sure. I don't know what the crowds were like, but. Uh, it didn't seem like they were catering to the to the Singaporean fans or to small even Asian fans. Out, but it's a small stadium. Yeah, so I feel they're putting all their money, their all their resources into China, mm-hmm. and that's how major that fight that fight's coming up next year yeah. uh, with Joanna and her. If um, if uh, Wiley wins that fight and wins decisively. Like by knockout or something like that, that even makes it explode ten times more in China. Even though that fight's going to be in Las Vegas, you were just in Busan, right? For uh, you yeah. took the last train to Busan to, uh, yeah. to check out the. Uh, the no, event. I took the first train. It was like first seven a.m. Sorry, <laughs> and watched the last train to Busan on the first train. Yeah. Yeah. What was the, uh, what was the atmosphere like there from the UFC staff from from the fighters? In it's Korea. just like any other event, you know. What I mean, just they're just doing the event. It's uh, uh it yeah, the Korean. 
it it's hard to say I, you know it took four years last time yeah you know so it, it's very optimistic to say that they're going to come back next year but i know that they're trying to they're planning on coming back in the next two years mm. uh from what i heard so that's a that's good to hear from them but i don't see them going to any other asian countries what other asian countries do they plan on going to they have said nothing I'd love to they, see they have more. where japan Oh, Japan. I don't think so. I think Japan is done. Huh? They've been in like 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't feel like Japan is, they're not even thinking about Japan. They don't even really sign Japanese fighters anymore. If you look at the roster. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not a ton. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'm pretty sure if there's a Japanese fighter that, you know, that's worth it. They would sign them. But other than that, most of the Japanese fighters are, they all fight for Ryzen and one championship. Look at, look at the lineups for Ryzen and one championship. It's heavy, heavy on Japanese fighters. And which is a good thing, man. If they're getting paid more to fight for those promotions, why not? You know, why not stay and get paid and still fight good fighters? You know, it's not like you're not going to fight. Yeah. And you, yeah, that's the major thing. You don't have to fly to, you know, Afghanistan to fight right you don't this you just stay in your area and i think that's why a lot of guys are picking uh like rising in one championship over the ufc now they understand the game and that u.s trip is hard yeah it's it's harder to go to the u.s compared yeah. to coming over here yeah. that's why you see a lot of guys come over here they don't really have much of a problem adjusting but going back jet lag is a serious serious problem uh Absolutely. when you fly to north america i'm always struggling but well, <laughs> yeah. if you time your flights well, you know, I, I do, I do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so with a uh, uh, jet lag and that's, not I see like, if I was going to make a prediction of yeah. UFC events in Asia, there will be maybe optimistically five hmm. next year, you know, a little bit more. Yeah. Next year. And most of them will be in China, Shanghai, Beijing, I would like to see them go to like Macau or Hong Kong, maybe Hong Kong, right? Because it's close to Shenzhen. But yeah, oh yeah, of course, probably not Hong Kong, but yeah, that would be an ideal location, you know, because it's English speaking, yeah. and uh, and there's a lot of fans in Hong Kong. Well, not right now; they're busy, yeah, but they're busy. Uh, <laughs> they're busy doing other combat sports. Uh, now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's, uh, optimistic five. You know, who, know, who yeah. knows what can happen, but that's optimistically five events. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Hate the player, hate the game. Bellator, Risen, we are, we are definitely getting there. Risen is next on our topic, and I think with, uh, with that suggestion from the, uh, the comments, yes, let's talk about Risen and their stacked year, their relationship with Bellator, and what we have coming up. I mean, for me, I think this was the, the most stacked year for Risen ever. What do you think, John? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it it just gets better. It's just getting better and better and better. The lineups are getting more stacked. The 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 names are getting bigger. They're creating stars. Yeah. They're creating stars and and it's working out for them. You know, some promotions they try to create certain stars, it doesn't work out for them, but for Ryzen, it has worked out for them from the uh the Oscar brothers yeah Osakura brothers uh you got uh K Manel Cape 
You know, the Bantamweight division is just stacked. It's crazy what they have created in the Bantamweight division. And if you follow that promotion, uh, you would know that. You know, I don't have to explain to the person that's, you know, following Ryzen. But, uh, yeah. Fight is a high quality, high level fight when Risen does a card. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Uh, even their so called smaller shows have sick matchups. They always bring in like two, three sick matchups every single time. And sometimes the some of the fights surprise you. Like you don't think it's a good matchup, and then they get in that ring and and that Japanese dude be like, and then they start fighting. That's what yeah. that's what a lot of people love. They love that that they do it in Japanese. You know, I, like the announcers are Japanese, they say everything in Japanese, which is fun. And I think that's definitely one of the keys. And I they have great English commentary, don't get me wrong, but the fact that it is a Japanese promotion, that it's you know, it has that sort of it has a little bit of that throwback feel of of pride you know pride never die but you know there's something just you know really sweet about it something really nice about risen and they they've done some things on the marketing side that are great and they they've really promoted good fights and good fighters and they don't they, they might not be household names to everyone but they are fantastic fights yeah and um Let's go back to the pronunciation of the the promotion, okay? Like the first show, Ryzen. Ryzen is the pr- proper way to pronounce it. A lot of people say Risen, and you know, let me give you an example of why it's not Risen. Okay. Uh, I think it was the like the fifth or sixth show. They had a commentator come on, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was saying Risen through the whole show. The English commentary. This was before uh, uh, Frank Trigg and and everybody, right? And he was fired, I think. Let, let me don't quote me on that, but I feel like he was fired for saying the promotion the wrong way. I'm they just chop- saying. I'm just saying. Huh? They chopped the tip of his pinky off as well. Yeah, they did. I think so, man. Like you never saw that guy again, man. Like, but I'm just saying. You could say whatever the way you want it. You know. I'm just saying. No, like, I, you know. I've been saying it wrong for years. I need to say it. <laughs> not risen, but rising. Yeah, but you say whatever way you want, man. That's a free country. I want to lose my pinkies, bro. I'm going to say rise. <laughs> Let's talk about their their relationship with Bellator. And that, that's produced mm-hmm. some very interesting matchups and some very interesting events. Yeah. Uh, yeah, coming up this weekend, you got Bellator Japan. Yeah. Uh, uh, man. Yeah. Pff, Rampage versus Fedor. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, these guys are super old, but... Hey, they're 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 there to fight. I don't care if those two are sixty. I would go to that fight. They're there to fight. Like they're gonna go in there and they're gonna try to knock each other out. And that's what people want to see. They don't want to see no strategic matchup between Fedor and uh, Rampage. That's not what they're gonna bring. They're you don't you're not gonna see Fedor come in and stick stay on the outside and jab his way to a decision. That's not what's gonna happen. And that's why they put this fight together. Houston and Alexander, you don't want to see that fight. You you want to see <laughs> gonna come out and throw bombs. Exactly, and that's what's going to happen. I think the fight will be over in like the first minute. Yeah, that's what's going to happen, and that's what people want. Who's your pick for that fight? I'm picking Fedor. I like Fedor, but uh, Rampage. I, I heard Rampage is 
the fresher fighter and and i was reading something about how he's put on like so much muscle in the last yeah and and he's been working with uh tj dillashaw's coach oh so he's on epl <laughs> i don't know but that's what I, i've seen pictures he's gonna he's gonna be twice the size muscularly he's gonna have cardio like a, a marathoner uh, what if he comes in looking like Bob Sapp? Just <laughs> the reverse. Bob Sapp, but can take a punch. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's a there's a lot of good uh, fights on there. You got like Sydney Outlaw versus Michael Chandler. Yeah. Uh, uh, you got uh, Yamauchi versus yeah. Darren Crookshank. That's a very interesting matchup right there. Yeah, uh, versus uh, what's his name, Van Zant. Yeah, Van Zant, you know, the rematch. Like yeah. Van Zant went in there and submitted her, choked her out unconscious in the first round or first fight. And now she gets the rematch. I think Reyna wanted that fight. So they're going to give it to her. Uh, I think you shouldn't, you're picking your poison right there. You know, you, the girl came in and you should have took a little bit more time. But, uh, you know, I they're agree. fighters. They want it's revenge. A fight for Reyna. It's a fight that I think she can lose easily. Yeah, definitely. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So, <laughs> that's going to be a stack up. When are you flying out? Oh, Saturday morning. Nice. I'm flying Saturday. You know, I got another job too. So, you know, I got to work today. Today's Friday. So I got to work tonight and then wake up probably around 3 a.m., catch the airport bus at 4 a.m., get on my flight, and then land probably early morning in Japan or in Tokyo. Nice. So that's the plan. Now, what do you think of, do you think the Bellator-Rizzo relationship will develop into something more for Asia going forward? Do you think this is, it's really just going to be like a kind of like a here and there thing? Um, it's going to start slow. You know, Bellator and Ryzen, this relationship, this is the first show yeah. in, in this collaboration. So I think it's going to start slow. Maybe in 2020, they'll have like two or three shows. You know, I'm pretty sure they're going to have more than one. And and they're going to and this is a way for Ryzen to expand out of Japan. Yeah. You know, I think that they love being in Japan, but they want to expand. They want to take over, you know, and and what's the better way to take over other than to collaborate with Bellator, you know, who's who wants to get into the Asian market. So this is the thing. And who I has money? Ryzen wants to be in the U.S. I think they want their brand. To no, be it's not there. about the U.S. No. It's not about U.S. It's about Ryzen expanding in Asia. Yeah. And 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 Bellator expanding into Asia, but not by themselves. Because this is what Bellator always does. They always collab with, yeah. with the promotions in the region, right? But this is another level of collaboration because Ryzen already has a massive, massive following, mm -hmm. viewership, and, uh, and, and it helps both. Like you said, they're not you don't think they're going to go to North America and that probably will happen once in a while, but it's not something, it's not their main focus and Bellator or Horizon wants to be more known in North America. And this is the way to do it, right. Is to hold yeah. hands with I, Bellator I without actually going. Partnering with Bellator, they can be better known in the U S without having to actually go there and yeah. Be yeah. To a mission. Yeah. That's great, man. That's, that's perfect. Perfect situation for them. That's what Pride never had, and I think that's what Pride probably needed. Well, it's the same guys that run that ran Pride that run Ryzen, so no, you got to no. learn from your mistakes. <laughs> Let's hope they learn from those mistakes. Um, 
moving on, let's talk about uh, some Korean MMA. And I want to start out with Road. We had the finale of their uh, their tournament, million dollar tournament this year. And we were talking about right before the broadcast is like 12 years in the making, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it took very, very long to complete that tournament. And, and I think it, because it took so long, it lost the luster oh, that people had in the, yeah, the steam and, and the people had in the beginning. Cause I, at the start of that tournament worldwide, when I first heard road about- had a lot of interest, right? Mm-hmm. Worldwide, even you, you know, cause for MMA, Twitter is the number one place to go to. Yeah. That's, there's no, you know, like if you go to Twitter and people are sharing and talking about it and, and liking it and, and, you know, making gifts and, and all that stuff on Twitter, then you're, you're, you have interest around the world, right? Cause that's where everybody congregates. Uh, but at the beginning of that tournament, that's what everybody was about. Road Road's like, Oh man, they're gonna have the million dollar tournament. It's going to be exciting. You know, and it attracted a, a lot of eyes to the other parts of road, like their, yeah. their open weight division and their women's division. And, and it helped them a lot. But then yeah. by the end of the tournament, it took so goddamn long that, that everybody forgot about road and they didn't even care anymore about road. And, and, and that's what, and that was kind of like the destruction of the promotion worldwide. Now they've actually become a regional promotion instead of a, not a promotion that's trying to branch out feel anymore. Exactly. They don't have that anymore. And, uh, and I think that's okay. You know, it's all right. You, you, you don't have it. You, you go back to your roots and you could maybe build it back up again. Uh, but, I, I have no idea, man. Like they're having, I feel like Road has some international, uh, what is it, or not international, internal problems right now. So, uh, we'll see what happens in in twenty twenty. They haven't announced their schedule, so I don't know Maybe what's going on. Hmm. Maybe they don't have one. A schedule. Yeah, yeah. You never know, man. Like I don't know what's going on, but uh, you just hear things. We got a. Uh, Player hate the game in the comments. Uh, I just threw this up on the screen. Uh, mm. He's saying that a uh, one in risen Bellator, uh, one in risen Bellator will lock out the UFC's expansion into Asia, except in China. Um, and I think that's okay. I think yeah. the UFC doesn't care. Like, okay, do this it. Thing, right? One doesn't care about selling tickets because everyone knows they give away tickets to their events. They're not making money on the gate. If you see their financials, that's a fact. And they don't sell pay-per-views. They have 47 quadrillion viewers around the universe that they talk about every time they do a show. Um, so they're not trying to make money in, in that regard. And the UFC wants to go somewhere where they can sell a gate. Singapore and China are probably, and Korea are probably the only places they can do that, that mm-hmm. they can actually get a decent gate and an event to make the uh, financials work. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the UFC cares if they're not doing shows in Thailand, Cambodia, Manila, and Vietnam, because those aren't markets that are going to give them the gate they want. Twenty twenty is going to be the rebirth of MMA in Asia. You know, I I think so because you have all this stuff going on. We didn't talk about this two years ago. We didn't talk about this three years ago. We didn't talk about one versus the UFC in China. We didn't talk about Ryzen and Velator collaborating to have more shows in in Asia or even in Japan. You know, I think it's it's like the rebirth. You know, like how Japan, like Ryzen brought the rebirth of Japanese MMA 
You know what I mean? Even though a lot of people argue about that, like, oh, they were always around. Yes, they were, but I'm saying Ryzen just put a whole pseudo before Risen came around, you know? Exactly. So, you know, those are the 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 rich the purists, like they're like the hipsters of MMA. You know, there's a lot of hipsters of MMA, right? A lot of guys out there like, oh, I know about uh, you know, uh I know about uh what is it? Uh, what uh, CFFC? You know, you don't know about CFFC. You know, I know about JMMA and all this. Like, all right, man, whatever. You know about it, okay? It's all good. Actually, real quick, before we jump onto the rest of Korean MMA, I wanna, I forgot to mention during the the one century piece that uh, they actually came out with a press release saying 85 million people worldwide watch Century, and that obviously that is a ridiculous number. It's just stupid. But then on top of it, we had some of the uh, the local Asian MMA sites reporting that as news, just kind of copy and pasting the press release into their uh, news section. And I think that that's one of the, the biggest issues that we see internally in uh, MMA media is that there's a very low threshold for fact-checking and, and uh, publication, especially on that smaller scale. And I'm not I'm not going to call anyone out on it, but there's a lot of sites that basically just take press releases and and change the title and throw it up on their their pages news. And that that's not just Asian MMA though. That's like the whole world. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that that happens in, but in Asian MMA, one is pretty dominant in that regard, where people will take their press releases and just throw it up. And uh, you know, I, I thought the 85 million viewers was kind of one of the unsubstantiated in any way it was one of the more interesting ones yeah man anyway uh, those numbers come must come from somewhere it's from someone's imagination (laughs) um moving on to to back to korean mma we talk about battlefield and uh battlefield fc the the big shit show that was battlefield fc2 and um people not getting paid and you've got the you've got the inside scoop on this so i, I want to kind of let you just talk about it and kind of fill us in with the facts because you've done the, the hard reporting on this okay so no i'm i'm not doing no hard report you know hey i'm not a hard reporter i'm not a invested what do you call it investigative journalist and another lot of that stuff i'm just relating to you information that i heard from from sources right um so first thing is you got a second show right you get a second show the first show was a shit show you know like you brought in all the big names and which was good but it didn't draw anything because nobody knew them locally uh and uh and you pay them a, a substantial amount or you contracted to pay them a st- substantial amount and then when when the show was over you didn't pay anybody and then a year later everybody was paid so the so the promoter he went and from what i heard is he sold everything he sold his gym he sold his house he sold his car so he could pay everybody off this is what i heard this is what the guy said the promoter said from his mouth so he wants to come back you know he thought he you know you know he uh what did you his reputation you know was brought back yeah he yeah so so he he was doing another show now this time it was like with some other investors and bitcoin was involved or some kind of uh currency yeah some kind of internet currency was involved gambling was involved that's why uh it was in macau that's why they did it in macau because you cannot gamble gambling is illegal in korea online gambling any kind of gambling is illegal except for government gambling which is lotto 
yeah. you know, lotto and all that stuff. It's just like some bullshit, you know, you know, you know, it's complete bullshit. But anyways, that's why they went to do it in Macau. Okay. So they get the show. Uh, they get Tommy back. Tommy Yang. He is a, a former fighter, a guy that has lots of connections throughout the, the industry. And he knows a lot of fighters. So he, he gets all the fighters, matches them up and, uh, and uh, puts the fight card together, right? So the show happens. Uh, the 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 fights are done. The night, the night where they're supposed to get paid. From what I remember is that they were told to go wait in their room, and then the guy, uh, the the promoter will come in and pay them in their room. So the guys go in there, wait. Never happens. Hmm. They wake up. They're 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 hearing that the promoters left. They someone saw the promoters leave, take off. And I guess this was true, right? Um, so uh, everybody's looking for Tommy, just like the first show. Everybody was looking for Tommy, like Tommy, what's going on, man? Like, and uh, and Tommy had probably no answers, right? He he was told the same thing. Um, so everybody gets flown, everybody flies out, nobody gets paid, right? Uh, then I talked to a few guys. From what I remember is, the Korean guys, all the Korean fighters were paid, all okay. of them. Right. Eventually, like maybe a couple of days later, they were transferred their money. All the Korean fighters last time, the first show, the Korean fighters were the last to get paid, which was kind of weird. Right. But I look at it as like this. They were probably paying the guys that were paid the least first, mm. you know, because they had the money to pay them anyways. So um, I messaged some of the guys. Right. So uh, from from the guys that got paid, Raja Shipping got paid. Right, okay. Bruno Miranda got paid. Uh, some uh, some of the Brazilian fighters got paid. One guy got paid half his money, which is mm. weird, right? Like, how do you get paid half your money? Anyways, um, people that haven't gotten paid, all the top guys, Caraway, uh, Will Brooks, um, those uh, are the T-Bow, yeah, right? and yeah, and t was like. I remember messaging directly with T-Bow and he was telling me like, man, like I haven't got paid, man. I didn't, he told me he didn't even know that the first event that they didn't even pay the fighters, uh, which was kind of weird. Right. I was just like shocked that he didn't know that. Right. Before signing the contract. Um, the event happened. There was red flags because the officials team from Australia refused to fly in because of, uh, because of pay. Exactly. Right. That was weird, too. Uh, so they had like a, a ragtag misfits of referees going there, flown in from Korea to officiate. And there was yeah. And then there was that funny submission at the in the main event. And uh, yeah. And kind of screwed Will Brooks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So like to this day. The same people that were paid were paid and yeah. the people that haven't been paid like Will Brooks, uh, from what I remember, uh, T-Bow, Brian Caraway, uh, and a lot of the lot of the other fighters on the undercard, uh, the, the 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 European fighters, especially the guys from Europe. Uh, I don't, I can't remember their names, you know, off the top of my head, but I'm, I know that they still haven't gotten paid. And uh, I heard that they have contact with the promoter, mm. but that, does that really even mean anything? Like, if you have like text contact yeah. with the promoter, yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean shit. So. Um, and all the, and I'm hearing rumors that he's trying to have a third show. So I don't know, like, 
Yeah, it's just, I don't understand like what the mindset of someone like that is. Just like a full blast uh, con artist, you know? Like, dude is just a con artist. Like, what are you doing? Like, you, you, like these guys. I'm, I'm just thinking like he doesn't care about anything. He's just like, oh, I'm, I didn't pay them, but I'm not gonna pay them. Or maybe in his mind, he's like, I'm gonna pay them eventually, and I'm gonna have a third show. So please come out, and I'm gonna sign you again. It's weird, man. But uh, yeah, man, still. I think 70 or 60% of the fighters have not get, have gotten paid to this day. That's just uh, nuts. Anyway, let's move on. From, <laughs> I, I got nothing to say about that then. It's just scummy and, and crazy. But uh, let's move on real quick. Uh, one of our last topics I want to touch on is uh, Letway had a real breakout year this year as far as a, a yeah. combat war goes. It got a lot of international attention. You know, international fighters, a lot of people making uh, noise in this space. And Letway is definitely one of the more interesting combat sports out there. Bare knuckle, or not bare knuckle, but they wear just uh, rope wraps and they allow headbutts and you get two minute recovery time from a, a KO. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting <laughs> sport. Definitely uh, not commission friendly for the West but fun to watch. What, what have you thought about the sort of developing story around Letway? It's a phenomenal, man. Like, yeah. and you got to give all credit to Dave LaDuke. Yeah. That man put that put sport, sport that martial art yeah. on his back. And he is, if anybody was going to promote a sport, a new sport, it's not even a new sport, but it was going to give the resurgence or the rebirth or, or the international attention to a sport. There's no one better than Dave LeDuc, and he's just—he is a, a workaholic. He is—he is a madman, and he is out there everywhere, and he's yeah. doing it right. You know, he's drawing attention, and and everything's strategic with him. It's not like he's just doing things on the fly, and and he can fight. And Lethway is perfect for his his body type. I talk to fighters all the time, and they're saying like Dave LeDuc has the perfect body type for Lethway, the 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 way that you need to fight to win. And to get uh, certain angles and distance and stuff like that is perfect. That's why Will Chope is perfect for Lethway too, because they're kind of very similar in body types. And uh, yeah, man, I love it. I love it. I love that uh, guys are calling out Dave LeDuc now. You know, I love that. I, he needs guys to challenge for his title. And, you know, you got guys calling Dave out. Why not? You know, have, uh, you know who called him out? Who? Oh. The oh. New York badass. Oh, Phil Baroni? Yeah, Phil Baroni called him out, and he's those, you know, I hey, I like to see that, don't you? Phil Baroni, man, I watch him scrap with anyone. Exactly. So why not? Let's see. Uh, I hope they make that fight next year. Please do. Please do. I don't care what they what <laughs> discipline they fight in. It could be Russian slap championship. I'll watch Phil Baroni mm-hmm. do anything. Yeah. Anything. Anyway, I just I wanted to touch on Letway just because I thought it was such a breakout thing in asia in worldwide this year and it, it comes from myanmar and uh great great sport to check out and hopefully that blends more into mma over the next year or two uh so before as we start to wrap things up here i want to go through our best of the year um so let, let's start out with fighter of the year uh john best fighter coming out of asia this year doesn't have to be an asian person but best fighter coming out of asia Man, there's a it's there's two people, two fighters that come to mind, yeah. and it's hard to choose. It's Kyoji Horiguchi, yeah, or Christian Lee. 
Christian Lee. It's hard to choose, you know, yeah. between them because Kyoji had two belts. Yeah. From two different promotions simultaneously. Like, who does that? Yeah, I don't, who does that? And I mean, th- that's an awesome achievement. And of course, he's definitely on my list. He's top three. For me, it's three guys. It's him, Christian Lee also. I mean, you can't deny Christian Lee's year as a fighter. And then uh, Javier Truel, who's just had a great year. <laughs> uh, that's my boy. Is there a little bit of favoritism in that one? I don't know. 100%, 100% favoritism. But he's one of the most mm-hmm. exciting fighters to watch in Asian MMA. Had a great year. Took home the, the championship from FMD. And he's about to fight bare-knuckle boxing in England. So, I mean, that's... <laughs> If you love the sport of Asian MMA, you know, Javi comes out of Team Quest Thailand. He's just a gritty dude. But he's he's on my, my top three list. But for me, number one, hands down, Christian Lee. Had the best year for a mm-hmm. fighter, hands down. Coming back on 10 days, winning the uh, the Grand Prix after taking the championship from a legend like Shinya Aoki, like a, le- a legit legend who was on a tear just destroying people. You, you can't say that he's not, to me, the Asian fighter of the year. Or Asian well, you know, I, I could uh, agree with you on that. The, yeah. the, the point that I want to make about Christian Lee, why he would kind of get the edge, is that Christian Lee went into all of his fights as the underdog and won those fights. Kyoji was already established as the best, one of yeah. the best uh, bantamweights in the world, and he went in there and won these fights, right? So, And he lost this year, which means that Christian Lee didn't, did Christian Lee lose this year? Did he lose this year? I don't, I don't think know. so. I think so. His last time he lost was to Martin. So uh, I think that was last year. But anyways, I could agree with you on that. I feel like those two guys are like neck and neck. But the only the 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 thing that stands out is Christian Lee went in there uh, as the underdog and won both fights. And he didn't lose. Yeah. And yeah, Christian Lee, props to Christian Lee. That kid is a monster. And he's a kid still, which is nuts, man. Like he's not even like... He's only like 20, he can he probably can't even drink yet in you know in the US. In Asia though. No yeah, no way. in Asia you could drink anywhere. But yeah, props to Christian Lee, man. Great year as a fighter. Um next up I want to talk about uh, event of the year, best event of the year in Asia. Man, it's uh, there's so many events. There's yeah. so many events like I don't even remember the events. Like I watch so much fighting that I don't even like m- events are like mixed together i don't even remember like which is which but um i don't know that century event was pretty legit either it was one of the century either it was the century event or um the ryzen man which ryzen was that maybe it was ryzen 16 because i think a lot of people talk about that event ryzen 16 it's neck and neck between those but uh, i kind of yeah i like uh either one of those either one of those uh ryzen 16 Ryzen 16, just because I was every fight, it was a smaller card. Every fight on that card was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, in Century, I mean, Century was unprecedented two cards in one day. It was just overwhelming to me. It was just mm-hmm. overwhelming as far as like the amount. However, though, I mean, Century has a bit of an edge with those uh Shuto Pancrase fights. Yeah, yeah, oh my God. that was like JMMA porn, right. Yeah. Pancrase champion versus Shuto champion. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I'm going to call it a tie. At, I got to give it to Sentry. I got to give it to Sentry as being the, the event of the year for Asia. Yeah, one thing that sticks about that Sentry card is 
the main event. I believe it was the main event b- between Ong Law and Brandon Vera. Yeah. I thought that that fight was just insane. That's a you great know, fight. yeah, it was just the 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 exchanges. The Lee's Young yeah. fight, one of my contenders for fights. Yeah, yeah, man. It's like, come on, like. Uh, yeah. I, I like the Brendan Vera fight better because it was just the exchanges were just insane because those guys are throwing with so much power and to, to end the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just Zero uh, I don't know, man. Safety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's a it was a fun fight, man. That was a that was definitely great. Yeah, one set okay, one century event Asian MMA event of the year, unanimous mm-hmm. by far. Um, the the Shuto Pancrase matchups, the the Xiang fight, the Xiang Li mm-hmm. fight, the Vera Ongla fight. I mean, you just Christian Lee winning the tournament and ragdolling da- Dagi. Yeah, hands down. How yeah. can anybody say you're anti one championship when both of your picks were like one championship? Like your fighter of the year is a one championship fighter. Your event of the year is a one championship event. I don't think they could say that you're fully anti, right? I love one's product. I mean, like I said, they have some great fighters, but at the same time, it's the shit they do like on a transparency uh, level is, is not cool. And mm-hmm. I'm willing to, to call them out on that. All right. Well, let's what's talk, the next category? Let's talk. Uh, I don't have it listed on the sheet, um, but let's talk about fight of the year. What was your favorite fight for Asian MMA this year? Oh man. It's, it's got to be uh, Angela Lee versus, Angela, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's got to be that, or um, Stangee versus uh, Ihanda. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's the fight. That's the fight, right? Well, there. Just, Stangee yeah. versus Ihanda. Yeah, yeah. That, that, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick something else. I think I, I think I, I think I like the Brandon Vera versus uh. Oh. I think that was the fight of the year. That even though it wasn't as long, but the exchanges and the power those guys were throwing at is just uh just they just they just said, hey, fuck, fuck it. Health and safety. Yeah, they're like, fuck it. And then they just went in there and just threw hammers at each other and um and just control chaos, man. I loved it. I think that's the fight of the year for me in Asian MMA. Probably. Probably uh, it's a good one. Like I said, for me, I'm probably gonna go with Stangee versus Ihanda in Full Metal Dojo. I thought that was mm-hmm. an amazing fight. Um, two heavyweights and not what you would expect, and absolutely outstanding. But then, yeah, Angela Lee's Young is those two fights. They both mm-hmm. happened this year, or was one last year? I think they both happened this year. Yeah, I'm two pretty sure. Fantastic fights and. Yeah. The fact that they they shared the outcome, they split the they split the difference on it one and one is it makes it very interesting story wise. So two yeah. two fantastic fights and both great performances by each athlete. Like neither one of those was like crazy dominant. They were just both mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, and then best gym of the year in, in Asia, and I think I talked about Tiger at the beginning. I can't I can't really give this to anyone but Tiger in my opinion for an Asian. Yeah, come on, man. I'm gonna make a little T-shirt for George. I was gonna oh, say, yeah. "Best hey, gym of the year, gym of not the coach." Year. <laughs> <laughs> well, this coach. Coach gets political, and if we call, if we if we name a coach, uh, it's like, yo, what the fuck? Exactly. So, 
gym, it's easy. And like you said, it, it's not a one person thing there. It's a team. And I think that's what yeah. makes it different than everyone else. Yeah, definitely. Uh, co- yeah. Team of the year. Uh, yeah. Gym of the year, whatever you want to call it. It is Tiger Muay Thai. And, uh, and I and, and I hope like other gyms see that and then like say okay we need to do something different because you know you got other gyms like Bali MMA doing big things too man like don't forget about Bali MMA man shout outs to Bali MMA lots yeah. of great fighters out there um, I'm in um, yeah lot, lots of great dudes coming out of there for sure um, but yeah with that I think that's a enough best of the years unless you can think of what about else. breakout star man I think you need to have that one breakout I think there's star. only one guy. Kyle Sakura, man. He's the breakout star of, yeah. Whaley. Whaley. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. This year. And how many yeah. American fans never heard of her before? And true, now she's true. on the tip of their tongue. I'm 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 going with Kyle Sakura, man. He came in this year and kind of came into his own, knocked out Kyoji Horiguchi, which oh, no one God. ever thought would ever happen. And I'm then broke. Yeah, that was shocking as shit. Like, and he broke uh, Sasaki's jaw in the yeah. next fight. Dude is just in destruction mode right now, and and that's why that fight coming up in a couple of days versus Manel Cape, the rematch is just insane. Because I know Manel, uh, he lost the first fight, but it was such a close fight, and he's a he's a he's a destroyer. He's like he's like Wesley Snipes in the demolition man. Like, dude is just insane. I love him. I'm excited for that. But I just I can't think of anyone more breakout than Wei Lee just from a, a global exposure perspective for me. Yeah, yeah. But I can't argue. With I your... can't argue that. Yeah. So hey, that's yeah. hell of a... it's fun. It's fun. Um, and I, I guess last thing, let's talk about what we we kind of want in 2020 and, and what we hope to see, things to keep an eye on. And for me, uh, I think we might see bare knuckle boxing in Asia 2020. I hope so. Why not? Yeah. We have Lethway. You yeah. know, why not have... And Thailand would be the best place to, to oh. spark Muay spark thai. it off, you know? They already do bare-knuckle Muay Thai, so yeah. why not? Why not? Why don't they a- just do it in Phuket? You know, put it in... Uh, you remember they used to do those fights in the sand? Yeah, the, uh, what, the sand what pit? They used to call those, what, barbecue beatdowns or whatever? No, no, that's the Tiger. Like, that's the Tiger uh, shows. But yeah. they have... I think they're bringing back... Uh, the pit fights in Phuket nice. in the next couple of months or something like that, from what I heard. So right. you're going to see some MMA yeah. in the pit, but bring bare knuckle boxing there, you know, let, let these guys go at it. And I'd love to see more transparency from one championship in 2020. Like mm-hmm. I said, I think their product is great there. They have some great fighters. I'd love to see a little bit more transparency from them. They, they keep talking. About I think guys- you'll see it. I hope that they're moving in that direction. And again, a third party commission would make a huge difference for them. They talk about, they want to go to the U to the U S there's no way they do a UFC, uh, a U.S. based show in a state with a commission with the officials they have in the policies they have. It's not going to happen. Well, I guess because of that, we're going to yeah. see more transparency, right? Cause they need to go over there and, and deal and, 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 uh, yeah, deal with these commissions over there, and why not? Hey, it's it's it it whatever they do over there is just going to help what they're doing in Asia because they're going to learn from that. Great Indian casino in a tent, doing a show with no regulation. Oh, that would that wouldn't be good. But uh, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of casinos out there, you know, in yeah. North America. 
you know, Bellator does a lot of casinos, so they do a lot of shady. We'll see what happens? I don't. Hey, as long as you can get the show in there and get the get the fighters paid, I don't know. I don't. Shit, Indian casinos, man, it's just you never know what you're gonna get with these places. So uh, we'll see what they're working on. I'm pretty sure they've been working on it all last year, all 2019. They've probably been in the U.S. going oh, around back to the U.S. for that very reason. Yeah. Lauren yeah. Mack, so a PR for. I'm, championship i heard that they're gonna have a show in uh at madison square garden that's what i heard they're they're targeting that new york commission man they might let that shit fly <laughs> i don't know but the thing is like if they do that's huge for the promotion yeah. you know because sure. they do have dj they do have eddie alvarez look, look at the cart potential card you got eddie alvarez versus uh christian lee for the for the lightweight title you got dj versus adriano Marias. Both US based fighters for yep. in the Coleman event for the flyweight title. Then you could put Vitor on there at the third third spot. You know, you could put Brandon Vera on there. You know, th- there's like uh all those fighters are based in the US and they already have big followings. Why not? Rumors of December twenty twenty for a one championship in New York. I know that's their target, but I've been unable to confirm any of that. Yeah. Well they're just spitballing. What's that? So we're just spitballing ideas. Another thing I'd love to see uh, next year, sticking with one championship, is more Pancreas Shuto crossovers. Oh, my God. That's, I'd love that. Yeah, I would love that. And I would love for them to go to other countries yeah. and bring in other promotions, too, and, and bring in their champions to face, let's say, a Pancreas champion versus, uh, let's say they work with some promotion in uh, Korea, like Double G, and they have a Double G champion. Let them fight each other on the undercard of one of the shows. You know, I, I, I love that idea. Why not? You know, why not do that? That's like porn. I'd love to yeah. see it. Yeah. How about you? Anything else you want to see in 2020? That's it, man. I just want Asian MMA to expand. I want one championship to expand. I want Rise and Bellator to expand in Asia. I want the UFC to expand in, in China. You know why? It's because that gives me more work. That gives me more to cover that gives me uh more opportunity you know what i mean and i'm just not being selfish because it gives opportunity to everybody it gives opportunity to a lot of the fighters that don't have a place to fight and if bellator comes and does more shows that means they're going to give opportunities to guys that didn't have opportunities uh in the past few years it's always good expansion always good for everybody in the in the industry altogether yeah. say that i definitely want to see china blow up in 2020 yeah, chinese and- see it front and center yeah, 2020 it's, it's gonna be the it's gonna be the cold war yeah. all over again <laughs> all right with that i think we're coming to the end of the show here john i want to thank you for yeah. taking the time to uh to come on with me and talk uh talk shop about 2019 i really appreciate it all the no way- worries man always good always good for everyone who uh who tuned in thank you so much i appreciate it this will be up uh probably tomorrow on the uh on spotify itunes google play stitcher wherever you get your podcast if you're watching be sure to subscribe to the asian mma podcast on youtube as well as kumite tv all the links will be in the show notes you can see uh the links to kumite tv on youtube and twitter same with asian mma podcast Keep, keep following both of us. Hopefully, we'll be doing a, a lot more collabs as well in 2020, John. I really enjoy it. No doubt, it. man. Yeah, man, right, for sure. Thank you so much, and I appreciate your time. We will see you next time.